Beyond Radley. Business, careers, and more. Virtual talks by experts from our community. Great. Without further ado, we'll begin. So good afternoon and a very warm welcome to all members of the Radley community and to any of our school partners who are joining us today on Zoom. My name's Caroline Monaghan and I'm looking after the Beyond Radley Career Speaker Programme, a series of talks designed to give you a live insight into the world of work and to help you explore the range of careers that are out there. All of our talks are recorded, so if you're interested in watching the videos, they're on the Radley video area of our website. Now, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to old Radleyan Doug Carr. After university, Doug spent 15 years in the city. He then decided to leave at the age of 38 to help grow his wife's business, Melly Mello, a luxury handbag brand. Despite substantial growth, the profits weren't there and Doug has since returned to the city whilst continuing to be an entrepreneur by night. He's going to tell you about his journey, what he learned along the way, and will give you his views on the traits and qualities you need to become a successful entrepreneur. Doug, over to you. Thank you, Caroline. Afternoon, everybody. Uh, I hear you're all working from home. Um, if there's any consolation, I'm actually uh, I'm working remotely as well for a long, long time. I actually got the current job that I landed today remotely, uh, but I'll, I'll talk you through that uh, and get cracking with the presentation. I uh, look forward to lots of questions. Uh, if you're too, too shy to come out and set and just please get on the chat, chat room and ask in the chat room and, and hopefully Caroline can pick them up from there. So let's go to the slides. So the first um, thing to say that it's, for me, it's all about passion. Like whatever you put into life, uh, you get out. And the same really goes for whatever career you choose or whatever job you go down. Uh, so if, I, lo I love this quote. There's no passion to be found playing small and settling for life that is less than the one you're capable of living by Nelson Mandela. Uh, so really give whatever you're going to do in your life 100% and you'll get everything back uh, in spades is my first uh, slide. Next one. So before we all began, uh, a bit about myself. I started out life at Horace Hill Prep School, uh, renamed by myself as Horrid Hill. Uh, I went to Radley in 89 to 94, which makes me feel like I'm very old and smelly by now. But I, it feels like yesterday I was there with you all. Um, during my time at Radley, I actually did some interning uh, in different careers to kind of check out what I wanted to do. I went and tried being a stockbroker. I went and tried a bit at the racing circuit, and then I tried a bit in Lloyd's. And then I went off on a gap year, went to Pakistan and India. I don't think I would let my 18-year-old son go to Pakistan, but somehow my parents sent me off to Lahore for six months to, to teach in a school in the middle of nowhere. And then went up to China, Afghanistan. We had a wonderful time in India. And then I landed back at Oxford Brooks University and did uh, languages for business there, French and German with business. And then from there, um, I, I was very lucky. I, I applied for, for 20, 30 roles, but the, the internship that I did in Lloyd's served me well. And if we then turn to this next slide, we start the, the first chapter of my career um, where I started at, at Miller's, which was an insurance broker. And I did 10 years there. Uh, I think in hindsight, probably five years too long. Um, and this will become clear as you go through the presentation why I feel that. Uh, but I was fortunate enough with that loyalty that I gave to Miller's that they, they paid for an MBA uh, in the States. And I had a year out and we traveled the world from Arizona to Czech Republic to China and Singapore and they moved the campus with us on this amazing year out uh, from the city, which was all paid for. So it felt like a quite quite a hoot and a blast. I then landed back and uh, was poached by another firm called Aspen, uh, an underwriting firm uh, again in Lloyd's, and I did another five years uh, there. And then, as Caroline mentioned, at the age of thirty-eight, I got a bit bored and itchy feet, and I looked around and I felt like all the 
senior CEOs and execs were, were very gray and very old, and I was only 38, and how was I ever going to get uh, to the top? So I decided, decided it was a good time to take a break after uh, you know 15 years or so in the city, and I started the chapter two. Uh, and chapter two is where I looked at my wife, who, who comes from a family of entrepreneurs. Her father's an entrepreneur. He built a hotel in the 60s in, in, on an island off the coast of Sicily. Uh, her two brothers are entrepreneurs. One is a restauranter and one is a, um, uh, he runs an app called uh, Onda Life. And uh, my family, none of my family are entrepreneurs. It's not in my blood, but the MBA gave me this feeling that I wanted to go and run my own, my own business. And where better to go from the city into the world of handbags? My father is ex-army, and actually he came to the talk I gave at Radley five years ago, and I think he still turns in his bed at night concerned that I left a very well-paid job in the city and decided to go and pedal handbags around the world with my wife. Um, and he still kind of chuckles at me as to why that was a good decision. <clears throat> Next slide, please. So uh, Melly Mello was a brand that my wife founded, and I came along uh, as the co-founder and helped her out. Um, she'd been going along for five years on her own. It's all about uh, Italian craftsmanship meets London contemporary cool. We manufacture in Italy, uh, 400 to 600 pound handbags. And we were the sort of the next one behind Mulberry, uh, independent, um, which means with my wife and I on our own. And, and when I joined, I had sort of thought I'd learned quite enough from the city that I could apply to the world of, of handbags. Um, and so we opened up on the next slide, um, uh, retail stores around the world. Uh, the pop-up you see in Regent Street there was actually a Radlian um, who came to do an internship with me. And I said to him, right, your job uh, is to do three months. I want you to open up our store on Regent Street. He looked at me in complete horror. And he was basically the full project manager responsible for opening that store end-to-end, -end, on time, on budget. And, and you know, he was 17 years old, uh, I think it was in his upper sixth year at Radley. And he, he smashed it and he did it. And uh, he did a really, really good job, job with that. So again, it just shows Radlians, you give them something, they, they tend to be a trusted pair of hands to deliver. We had a store on Portobello Road, and then we had uh, four stores in, in Taipei, a store in Sydney Airport. And so in all eight retail stores around the world, um, we built up a business very, very quickly uh, on the next slide. Yeah. Um, from half a million pounds when I joined uh, to five and a half million very, very quickly in four years. Um, with a small amount of venture capital money, which we raised um, for £150,000. We went a very long way. Now, those of you who, who've got a sharp eye, uh, they'll notice two things here. One, there's something called gross margin, GM. And there's a line along the top that bumps along around kind of 51, 48, 46, 45. So my first uh, trick to all of you is when you're setting up your own business, make sure you've got a very high gross margin number. And when I say very high, the sweet spot for me now is 90%, having been through this and, and around 50s. Um, because when you're below 50 here, you never quite really make enough money. And you can see the, what's called the EBITDA line. That's the profit line of the business. And you can see it sort of bumping along, never quite really going for profit. And I thought that was all fine and good because I believed I could become like a tech entrepreneur. I could grow this thing and scale it and become the next Michael Cause. And I got very big for my boots and very excited. Uh, what I didn't appreciate was what was around the corner. Uh, we had 65 wholesale stores around the world from Bloomingdale's. We had Korea. We had 25 staff here in London. And um, around the corner was um, two things happening. A very fast move from retail to digital. And uh, with that kind of closing out of wholesale, cheaper and cheaper uh, handbag brands coming up through around the corner. 
Um, and so we very quickly realized we were in a very difficult position because we had no money. Uh, we hadn't fundraised. We, we'd, we'd been to see venture capital and private equity. and We'd had four offers on the table, but my wife and I could never quite agree and the investors could never quite agree as to whether this was a good idea to take three million pounds on board in the business and become a real slave to somebody else or just to keep it us and ourselves and, and see how far we could go. So what happened next on those numbers is actually it reversed down the next three years as fast as it went up, uh, which then led me to think, Christ, what do I do now? Because, you know, we, we've basically got no money. We're not making profits. We've got 25 people, eight retail stores. And so I basically had to take a, a hatchet and a hammer and just knock the whole thing down that we'd built over, over the last five years and take it back down to zero. Um, this led us to then think about, well, what do we do next? Um, and so I'm, uh, you know what's quite interesting as an entrepreneur if you work with another person it doesn't have to be your wife because not many people can work with their wife uh, i think i'm one of the lucky few who probably can everyone thinks i'm absolutely mad now how on earth do you do that uh, it would last five minutes most people but we have an interesting relationship where it really works well she's a very creative uh, visual and i'm a sort of a data-driven numbers person so she and i came up with this idea of, of headbands and she saw this trend happening and we launched uh, born in the sun which is a headband brand in 2019 we launched the next brand, Smile the Cactus, in 2020, which is a jewellery brand. And then this year, we just launched uh, in October of last year uh, a dog brand called The Doggy. Um, so what we've, done, what we've taken is these learnings from fashion and from retail and from e-com and from wholesale to say, okay, well, if we could do it all again, what would we do? Number one, no investors. Uh, number two, so fully funded by ourselves from day one and, and profitable from day one. And number three, high margin business. So all of those of you who think that you have to go out and fundraise day one, you don't. All of those of you who think you need money to start a business, you don't. You just need the passion and the grit and the idea to see it through from nothing and follow it through until it becomes something. So this is Born in the Sun. Um, it's, it's headbands. It's, it's fashion. It's uh, affordable. The handbags we were selling were 400, 500 pounds. These are 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 25 pounds. So the propensity to buy is much, much higher and the volume is much, much bigger and it turns very, very quickly. So we don't have the same issues we have with handbags with lots of stock sitting around in a warehouse. It's, it's very quick and it's very dynamic. Smell the Cactus is jewellery, it's fashion jewellery, again, 25 to 50 pounds, uh, easy to store. It's very small, high margin. It moves very quickly. Again, trying to take the lessons we've learned from the handbags and say, well, what can we do next that's more, more affordable, much quicker? Uh, and much faster and apply the same learnings that we built on the way up. Next slide. And the doggy, um, I think in lockdown, we, we got a puppy and I'm sure many of you out there got a puppy in your families and it, it was a great thing to have in lockdown because we had the time, the patience to, to, um, to look after it. So we launched this dog accessories brand because we thought actually, you know what, rather than, uh, you know, why don't we go out and manufacture and design what we want for our dog and sell it on e-commerce. It's a huge market, it's growing very quickly. There's only a few big players in the UK like Pets at Home, and they're doing, I think, two and a half billion dollars of, of revenue. So why can't we have a little slice of that? You know, if we can get 1% of, of Pets at Home, uh, we'd be doing well. So I then thought, well, I need a day job uh, because these are all great fun, but I've got big school fees to pay. I've got two kids, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And so I went off and, and uh, started working for some other brands. Uh, Yoke is a uh, fashion pajama, silk pajama ladies brand. Troy London is a country kind of Parker uh, brand. And then I became COO of a brand called The Decree. So I was chief operating officer for six months. Uh, they were losing a lot of money 
they just raised one and a half million pounds. They'd spent the whole lot in three months. It's gone. And they were basically looking at me white in the face going, what do we do next? So I turned up, we launched their website uh, on, I had the meeting on the Friday. They had the Sunday Times article coming out on Sunday and their website wasn't live. And I said to them, give me the website, let me get it live. And we got it live in 48 hours. And then they did 65,000 pounds on their first day, uh, which kind of blew them away. They paid for all of their costs and all of their their revenue in the first uh, thing. And so from that point forward, it was again taking a hatchet to everything they built up with all that money they'd spent, turning it around to profit. And by January, it's profitable uh, three months later. And then I was gone by July, six months later, uh, looking for the next opportunity. Chapter five. And the next opportunity, I realized, again, big school fees staring at me down like lamps down down the road. Um, I, I need to get back to the city. I needed to, 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 to come back before I'd been out the market for too long. So I've been out the market for six years. And I kind of figured if I'd been out the insurance for more than seven, perhaps they, they'd think that I'd forgotten it all, which I nearly had. But I was very lucky. I landed a job at Apollo, which is a Lloyd syndicate, um, pretty much putting my feet under the desk where I'd left off in 2013. It's a £550 million revenue business with 150 people. And I work for this chief underwriting officer um, and re- report into the executive um, for him. So I'm back in the city. I've got a stable salary. Uh, the sort of ship has stopped wobbling. I can pay the school fees. And, and as a parent, there's something quite uh, satisfactory about just knowing that you've got those those kind of basics covered, the mortgage, the school fees. Uh, and that um, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's not always guaranteed. Some months you might make lots and some months you might have a disaster. But with COVID, uh, you know, clearly handbags fell off a cliff and, and no one needs a handbag during lockdown because no one's out, right? So handbags went to zero. Uh, last April, uh, which has kind of led me to that that feeling in July that something a big shift had to happen, an adjustment. So uh, chapter six, I, I think, is, is to follow, I, I, and I'll explain to you why. Um, so my theory is that you have that you ought to aim for six careers in your lifetime, and and someone at Raddy might tell me to be very quiet about now, but I think if you say that um, you know you can commit five years to each chapter of your life. And you can then segment and slice your career into, into six opportunities and try and work out where you want to end up and then slice your way backwards. You can actually go and do lots of different interesting things, but yet still go on the tra- trajectory that you want to go on. Um, so I don't think when you're sitting at Radley going, what do I want to be? Uh, if you think you want to be a partner law firm and that's the next 30 years, and that, that's great. But I, I wouldn't think of it that way. I would just think about when I graduate, what I want to do the next five years and just take it into much more bite-sized chunks uh, and then it's more manageable you can get your head around a bit more and say it was only five years of that I can manage that and, and I think perhaps the insurance for me now is only another five years and I'll go off and do something else again um, so just by putting into these bite-sized chunks actually makes it a lot more e- easier to, to achieve uh, and, and to manage uh, rather than being overwhelmed by this feeling of oh my gosh one career one job what am I going to do so really yeah it's it's six chapters in your life don't look at it it's an evolution um it's always evolving and the world is evolving very very quickly around us as you can see um you know everyone now is shutting all their retail stores so in a funny way we're very very lucky that we shut them when we did i think otherwise we'll be in the the same position as as people like arcadia who have gone into administration um all our businesses are e-commerce there's one employee now who runs uh, all the warehousing in the back end and then my wife and I are the only other employees of these four businesses. Um, 
and and I have the day job in the city, which kind of gives me the 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 base of which to to look after my family, and gives me the stability to 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 kind of learn onto the next thing. I'll stop there. Questions. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Yeah. So everyone, please do feel free to put any questions for Doug on uh, onto the chat. Um, I've got one for you. Um, so after everything you've been through and, you know, the, the things that you started recently and Melly Mello, what, what do you, if you could condense it down to one or three things, what do you think the key things are, the key qualities are that yeah. need to actually be an entrepreneur in the way that you are? Good question. Yeah. I think for me, the, the number one is uh, never take no for an answer. Um, so, you know, if the door gets slammed in your face or if somebody's saying they can't do something, really go back at them again and find another angle and another way and get it done and i think you can take that never take no for an answer for for many many things as an entrepreneur and and that never feeling of never giving up and having the passion to succeed but you, you know you have your good days and your bad days but really looking beyond that and trying to see what what's beyond the obstacle that's right in front of you is really important thank you I have another question around um, investment. I mean, you're saying that you don't necessarily need money to start a business, but how did you go about raising investment um, for Melly Mello when you were yeah. trying to get that launched off the ground? Uh, so I actually, we um, we went around, I think, 25 firms on the first time when we are doing about half a million of turnover. Um, in general, you won't get any investment below that kind of number. Um, so if you're doing 150,000, you you will get investment from friends and family, um, but you won't really get kind of professional investment beyond half a million. And there's a huge gap in the market below above half a million and up to sort of two or three million. Uh, there's not many people you can go to, um, but friends and family, um, people like myself, high high net worths are the people who will put money behind you. There's a great scheme called EIS, and that makes it a very tax efficient uh, investment. Uh, so we went. I went to five people that I worked for in the city, and they all put in um, money into the business. And I also went to a venture capital firm who put money in as well. So um, I've done both. And friends and family is definitely the preferred option. Uh, my godfather put some money in. Um, my uncle put a little bit in. Uh, some other people in the city did. So it's a real sort of mix, mix, mix and match. But the, the professional VC was was the guy, were the guys who really taught me, um, you know, how to really shape the business and how to get it. Uh, where 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 it needs to be where it needs to get to. Thank you. I ha I have a question um, on the chat. Uh, apologies if you've answered elements of this. There's, there's a few facets here. If you don't have startup capital, is a VC still bad? And did you raise the hundred and fifty thousand pound through debt or equity? And have you heard of Founders Factory? And are they good? Yeah. So um, so we so we raised one hundred fifty thousand as equity. Uh, my wife and I still hold today 85% of the business, and that was always our intention to try and hold uh, a big stake. Um, some of the other firms I, I touched on ha have sold much more than that and got, got less far. And so it really depends on, as to how much you want to sell and how much you want to hold on to. But even with that, try and work back as to what you want to end up with in terms of the piece of the pie, and then try and work back how much you wanna, you're going to have to sell to get to, to get to that position. Because if you sell too much too quickly, you'll end up with not enough equity at the end of it. Um, so I'm not saying VC capital. I'm saying the venture capital that you get at around sort of two, three million level. That 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 was quite a, a dirty dog fight uh, that I met. All I mean, I met 40 VCs along the way, and that was pretty aggressive um, venture capital. They were going to load up the business with a lot of debt. Um, we could be fired as entrepreneurs. We could lose the whole business. 
So it was quite punchy, and that's why we got a bit uncomfortable as to whether we want to be partners with these people. Uh, but the early stage investor that we got wasn't like that. They were very fair, um, respected us as the founders. Uh, I think that's that's what you need to look for. Uh, founders Factory, yep, I, I've come across some. Actually, my brother-in-law has just landed an investment um, from the Founders Factory into his uh, app. Um, so they're good. They've got Brent Hoberman behind them. Um, so, yeah, great, great place to go. But, yeah, high net worth, angels, um, uh, you know, talk talk to people and they will put you in touch. You know, put someone like myself, we'll have to put you in touch with people, um, other high net worths. Once you've got one, you can get another one and it, it snowballs. Um, but fundraising when you're pre-revenue is very difficult unless you've got a fantastic idea. So you have to get going, show some revenue ideally before you can get people behind it. Brilliant. Thank you. Another question on the chat. Do you think a further education in business is beneficial for a career as an entrepreneur? Uh, the MBA I did gave me the, the first and the interest. I wasn't interested in, in being an entrepreneur before I did the MBA, and it really gave me the interest that I want to run my own business. So that really was the catalyst that, that made me think, you know what, I want to do this. And we get so many inspiring uh, lectures from amazing uh, professors during the MBA in America. That was, it was amazing. And so, yeah, I think it's really beneficial for uh, to be an entrepreneur. Use the MBA. Thank you. I've uh, got a, a question here about your current role. There's been a lot of scaling publicity about the culture that exists in the city. Is this your experience or is it confined mainly to banking, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Um, mainly confined to banking, in my opinion. Um, insurance is is a step down from banking. You're not going to earn as much, um, but you, you can still get there very, you know, to that kind of level. Um, but it's, 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 it's more gentleman's hours, I, I describe it as, rather than, you know, on the whole time um but you know banking is very very intense uh it's very very competitive um but there are many other similar industries around the edge um where you can play and still make the same kind of money so i wouldn't just be fixated if you want to make money that banking even though my six-year-old has told me he's daddy i want to be a banker uh, that's where he wants to go because he thinks that the bankers are the ones that make the money. But, you know, just really try and experience it, try it out uh, for yourself uh, before jumping in and realizing you did the wrong wrong decision. Thank you. I've got a question here. Uh, what what was your friend's company? The the one my brother-in-law? Yeah, I think so, yeah. The app is called On The, On the Life. On The Life. Thank you. Um so uh, another question from me here. What has been the impact of COVID on entrepreneurism generally, in your view? Positive, negative? I think um, that there's a huge amount of um, businesses that are going to go to the wall uh, over the next you know, nine to 12 months. Um, we haven't seen the beginning of it. The, the, um, the government is propping up uh, a lot of business through this furlough scheme. Um, but there's still a lot of business already failing and there's going to be a huge more that fail behind it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. But, but with these then becomes opportunities. You can see opportunities to open up a new business and then you've got everyone failing around you, which then leads to another opportunity. So with every failure, there's also another opportunity and not something else will open up. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, a question of, another question of interest here. How many days, you, you seem to have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, Doug. How yeah. many hours are you working a day at the moment? Uh, so I, in insurance, I do nine till, till five. Um, and then at home, I work from eight until, until 11. 
um, and then I sort of tend to work weekends and that stuff. But that's because it's a passion, and I love it. So it's not, you know, my daughter came and sat next to me. She said, "Gosh, Daddy, insurance looks a bit dull." She said to me, and I said, "Well, it, you know, it is dull, but you know, it pays the bills and it's done in a interesting way." And and so really trying to understand and find the balance. And even she, as a nine-year-old, she said to me, "Well, Daddy, why don't you find a job that you love?" I said, "Well." doing Melly Mello and becoming an entrepreneur is something that I love because whatever you put in, you get straight back out. Um, but you know, the world changes very quickly around you and you've got to be very agile and really think ahead as to how you shift and you shape your business as the world around you evolves. Thank you. And another, another question uh, via the chat here, um, again about the city, are jobs in the city at risk in the future in your opinion? Yeah, I think, I think um, they are. Um, I know that our company hasn't furloughed anybody during this time and we're having a boom four or five years ahead of us in the whole insurance sector is having a boom boom moment because it's counter cyclical. Um, I think there are many other jobs that will be at risk. Uh, a lot of my banking friends have lost their jobs uh, a huge amount um, over the last nine months. Uh, so, you know, there are, there are segments which are booming and segments which are, are failing and you need to kind of look as to which, segment you think is going to be doing what by the time you graduate or by the time you look for your your role Thank not you. easy not easy no, no not at all <laughs> but um, i think i think for me work experience is everything so really like i try to pick, pick, pick it up a little bit if you can just talk to your mums and dad and say look do you know anyone in in uh insurance you know anyone in horse racing do you know anyone in hotels whatever it might be you want to try out uh, go and try it and just do three weeks uh, and try it out and and then you can say that wasn't for me so then you know you've tried it wasn't for you and then you can move on and it, it looks good in your cv you might get paid a bit of money for trying it out and then you can move on and try something else thank you building on that point have you found that you've used and created um quite a strong network on your journeys i haven't probably done it enough i think you, know, you get so focused on, on what you're doing um I used to, on the way up, I used to do, do a lot of travel, a lot of networking, and then I realized actually that this is something that can fall away. And if you focus down when you're trying to do so many things, you can really bring it back to, a, to, to what makes, makes things work and what makes uh, profit. Um, you know, I did a lot of meetings with investors, a lot of pitching, and actually, you know, once you take that away and that, that stress of we've got a fundraise, suddenly all your time comes back. Um, so you can get a bit preoccupied about, oh, we need to fundraise, we need to find the next million, rather than thinking about how do I make this business profitable or what needs to change given what's happening out there. Thank you. Another question regarding the insurance industry um, on the chat here. Would you say the insurance industry has profited from behind force? May I do not know how to pronounce that. No, no. <laughs> so, I mean, the insurance industry is paying out billions of dollars of, of COVID claims. I think some of the insurance companies have, haven't acted very fairly with the with the, but the county court judgment or the high court judgments ruled against them now so that those claims will get paid um so you know i think um but there's been last year we had over 20 named storms hurricanes you know, huge numbers of, of billions of dollars of insurance payout last year so what's happening there's been so many claims last year so many business interruption claims from covid uh, so much so many hurricanes from co uh, natural natural catastrophes and global warming that actually the, the prices are going up very, very quickly, which means that over the long term, uh, insurance companies are in a very good position. Um, but that's because they've been paying out a huge number of claims in the last uh, two or three years that the prices are going up uh, so quickly. Thank you. 
and a, and a Radley question here. So if you had your time again, um, what and you were back at Radley, what would you do differently now with the benefit of hindsight? Good question. Um, I went to Horace Hill where they didn't play rugby. I wish my dad had sent me to school where I played rugby. Uh, that was a big, uh, big, tough change to go from football to a, to, a, to a rugby school. Um, I think I would try and enjoy myself more. I think I, I took it quite seriously, Radley. Um, it's a big school. Um, it's got great, some great things happening. Uh, this entrepreneur club as well. I'd be more into that. I would, I would try and I would do even more work experience than I probably did. I, I did three internship i'll probably try and do more than that um definitely take a gap year um and i would um try and time my graduation with the time that the job market gets a little bit better which it isn't um next year so um just try and postpone if you're coming out to, to of radley and you're not going to university you're looking for a job uh, in 2021 or 2022 it's going to be tough uh, to try and already think about you know pushing pushing out and pushing back um and giving yourself time there's nothing worse than that pressure of I've got to get a job rather than actually thinking I've, I'm going to put some other plans in place first. Thank you. Um, final question for me. So if, if anybody here is thinking of starting um, their own business, what would you be the most important piece of advice that you'd like to leave them with? Uh, start, start it. Don't talk about it, but start it. Turn it on. Yes. Try it out. Try and make some money. Um, see how long it takes you to make any money, try and make your first customer, your first sale, um, and, and just keep learning from, from what you do and make the mistakes and, and try and keep building on it. Um, but, but don't rush for investment. Really focus on making the business the two things I told you about margin and about profit. Um, and if you do those two things, everything else, else will take care of itself. And, and don't think, like I thought, that if you hire lots of people, it will generate, generate a lot more revenue. Uh, it won't, and also taking the investor money won't necessarily bring you more revenue. Uh, so there's a lot of winds blowing you in different directions. So really try and stick to to, to the business and and focus, keep your focus in one on one thing. Uh, whilst you're whilst you're growing that, once it's successful, you can move on to the next thing. Uh, but 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 stay focused until something works, and then you can let go of it and try the next thing. And then it gets quite addictive, as you can see from what I'm doing. <laughs> but happy to help anyone. Anyone's got any questions? Um, I'm sure I'm happy to give out my email. Um, I'm always happy to, to, to act as an advisor or consultant, whoever works uh, for people over time and, and build up a relationship. Um, and as, as, you, as you start a business, um, you can start as a friendly face to answer a few questions you might have. And as the business grows and stuff, I can help introduce you to my network and, uh, and put you in a, in a, in a, in a place where, where things can, can go further. Brilliant. Thank you, Doug. That was a really fantastic insight into the world of entrepreneurism. Thanks for taking the time out of your very busy life to come and talk to us. We've learned a lot and we're really grateful. So thank you. Now, before we all go, I'm going to tell you about the next exciting career talk that we have coming up this Friday. We've got Hannah Bauer, Global Leadership Development Lead at Vodafone and graduate recruitment expert, who's going to talk to you about the value of pursuing multiple careers, a point that Doug raised, multiple careers in your lifetime. Hannah is a fantastic speaker. He's an expert at giving career advice at a really senior level in organizations. So I'd urge you to join us for this one. Thanks for attending the event and we look forward to seeing you at some of our future talks. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Thank you all. Thanks, Good luck. Thank you for joining us. Check our channels for the latest news and events from the Radley and Society.